Hi, y'all. Um, welcome to the Search for Pink podcast. This is Rebecca. Um, question, please, someone, um, let me know. Do y'all ever practice what you're going to say? Like, practice a conversation? Or um, I, all that to lead up, I've been practicing this intro in my head because there are so many things I want to say about this amazing person. Um, I guess the first thing is Brandon Cook. Brandon Cook. He is the first male to ever be on the podcast. My mom, I was talking to mom and I was like, I wonder if I'm ever going to run out of people. Because, I mean, if I keep doing this as I plan to, I, you know, there will be less and less people to interview on the planet eventually, you know? And um, my mom said, well, you could start interviewing men. Because that, that opens up 50% of the population or about you know, about 50. And, um, and men kind of scare me. And so I was like, I don't know about that, mom. And, but then I was thinking, I was like, okay, let's push ourselves, but let's start easy. Who would be a man I'd be comfortable talking with? And Brandon Cook came to mind. I kid you not. Um, Brandon and I were in two different years at Lambda, but he was an American on a course with like some Americans and some, um, Brits or whatever, UKers. And, um, gosh, that sounded dumb. Um, and I was on a different course and Brandon is just, we're going to get into this later. He was cast as the lead on a show on the CW and I am so excited when any of my friends succeed. Literally when I saw he was in the lead, he's the kind of guy where you go, of course he is. Of course he is. He would just walk through the hallways at school, knew everyone's name, so thoughtful, so charismatic, and um, there was like one, and then I would always, he lived near my flat, and so and he liked to like, I think like have deep thoughts and go on walks at night, and I'd always run into him on my way home, and there was this one night where I'd been like, there was this, you know, in drama school, of course there's drama. I'm crying my broken heart out, walking home, and literally I had this like angry thought for a second. I was like, where's Brandon? Where's Brandon when you need him? Because um, in this moment of being sad at midnight, I'm like, he's always, I always find him. And where is he? Um, so anyways, that's the kind of guy Brandon is. When I first reached out, um, we've been talking about this for a bit and he was the first person that was like, okay, what's your podcast about? What would we talk about? And he like was asking these probing questions and I love everyone that's come on, but no one has really ever asked before. People are just like, oh yeah, I, I have stuff to say. Let's, I, all right, whatever. And they just jump on. And Brandon then a couple nights ago he was like, hey, can we talk? And I was like, oh, he's going to nicely drop out. Like, that's classy of him. And he was just like, yeah, so I just like want to talk through and make sure I do a really good job when I come on. Brandon. Oh, Brandon, you're going to love him. Let's get to him. I love you guys. I love you so much. I'm going to do a great job. And I will talk to you one-on-one -on -one after this. All right. Bye-bye. I'm guessing you have, but have you ever had a job where you were like on like shifts where like someone else was making your schedule? Like, Hey, Brandon, like you've got the dinner shift at a restaurant or, or store. Oh, yeah. I've worked, uh, 
couple of retail jobs and I worked at a pub when I was in London too. So Oh, I didn't know that. Definitely done. Which it. one did yeah, you work I did. At? Uh the stag. It was up in Primrose Hill. Um I used to live in Primrose Hill. Uh-huh. For like my first year. And I used to go there all the time. And then my second year I moved like way closer to Lambda. And okay. um I was just looking for a job because I was like, I need to just make a little money before I leave. And uh yeah, I had a guy and a friend of mine, he connected me to the mm -hmm. people. And I was like, oh, this is great. Cause like I was used to go here. It's a really cool environment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyways. Okay. No, I was just, um, <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's awesome. I, um, I used to work at a coffee shop and today was my first day back at the coffee shop. And mm -hmm. I, the structure of being like, I'm going to be there three days a week. And it's going to be one of these four days, like three of these four days, that structure is good for me, but I hate like the idea that Indy is very nice. She makes her schedules, but I hate the idea that someone else is deciding when I'm going to be somewhere. And like, I yeah. want to go somewhere for July 4th. And the idea of someone going, and she already said like, Rebecca, I don't care. The idea of someone right. going, no, you can't go to Texas. Right, right, July right. 4th. Then I'll be like, you know what? I quit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I go through that all the time. It's like having, I, I think, having someone in control of kind of your life and and in a dramatic way your destiny is kind of like I couldn't do it like I, I know mm -hmm. so, you know plenty of people do and, and are okay with that and mm -hmm. you know they they accept it and you know that that's fine and that's great and I think that that's commendable because like and I get it like there does need to be a level of like discipline and a level of a level of rigidity and a level of whatever but like you know a lot of things, a lot of things I heard growing up was, you know, grow up to be your own boss. And, and a lot of mm -hmm. people press that. And I, and I see the importance of that now, because like having to be, you know, stuck in the rat race, basically of constantly mm -hmm. like working nine to five every day, whatever. And it's not a knock to anybody doing it. No. Uh, but I just, it, it doesn't fit how my brain and my spirit kind of works. Like, yeah. like I'm doing it now and I've been doing it for a few months now, which is the longest I've ever worked at a place. So I'm surprised I've been there so long, but you know, COVID and <laughs> what, you know, life. What, where are you working? <laughs> I'm working at Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. It's like right down the street from my house. And uh, one of my roommates was there and, you know, obviously because of COVID and everything, money was running low and I was just like, yeah. you know, I, I just need something. Yeah. So it was really easy to get and stuff. Um, but yeah, like it's, it, yeah, it sucks. I, I, you know, having, you have to, it's a certain amount of time that you have to, that you have to show up in advance to call out, like you have to put it in in advance, like three and a half weeks or something. And, you know, you, you have no real say. Sometimes I got fired from the pub because I got another, mm -hmm. like I had to go for a day and it was like two days away. And I was like, I can find somebody else. And they were like, that's not going to work. Have you found, um, I was talking to a dear friend yesterday and um and I feel like both of us present maybe you present very good with the flow I don't I, I'm not gonna say I, I I don't think I present as laid back but I think I do present very like helpful it's all good it's all good and then she was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like you're surprisingly stubborn like mm. I'm fine and then all of a sudden she's like there are just a few times where she's like Rebecca's like being <laughs> difficult. Like I am, yeah, yeah, I am yeah. a little, I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. But it only happens like 
every once in a while. And so I think it throws, can I ask, um, cause just being honest, I, the two jobs I'm working right now, I just started back at this coffee shop job in like two weeks ago. Um, and I'm not too good for coffee, but it was very much like I'm done with the service industry. I'm going to be working for myself. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I actually, my neighbor, um, Phil, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of hurting for money right now, but I'm not going to go back to doing coffee. And he was like, a job's a job. And I was like, uh. and yeah. hey, I'm back, you know, and I, and it's, they're so nice, you know, it's great. Yeah. But for me, it was kind of, I had to email them and I was like, can I have my job back? You know, swallow some pride a little of, bit. What? Do you think it was swallowing pride a little bit? Yeah, like, and I was going to yeah. ask you about that because we're going to talk about it later if you still want to. But like, you were supposed to be—you were supposed to be the lead of a CW show right now. Right. That was supposed to be coming, and then like you're working at Bed Bath and Beyond, <laughs> <laughs> which both yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> are noble pursuits. Like, hey, like someone's got to do it, and but like, right, how, right. how is it? What do you think? Um, I went through the process of like, quote unquote, mourning, like the loss of the show, like the mm-hmm. ending of it and kind of it, it not coming to pass due to things that were totally out of my control. Like we didn't, eat, we only filmed four days. So like, you know, um, so I got, a, I kind of got past that, excuse me. And, um, it was kind of a it was kind of a situation where I was just like, you know what? I need money. I can't really have pride right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to be working retail again? Mm-hmm. Not really, but at the moment, this is kind of the best option because of supposed flexibility and stuff like that, which is you know hit or miss, I guess. But it's also the thing too that this is the thing about being an actor. I think that that kind of frustrates me it's like I, I feel like I feel like I don't really have any skills you know I don't have any mm. you know we, we live in a society where like if you have certain skills like people will pay you for the skills like that's just kind of how capitalism and the market and whatever works so it's like mm-hmm. you know if you don't though you're kind of SOL right so it's it's you know I would love to I wouldn't mind working and doing something that's a little more creative and kind of stimulates my creativity and stuff um but or even something just in line with where I want to be but you know I don't have any experience using uh DaVinci Resolve or you know Adobe or Mm -hmm. you know I don't have any Microsoft suite experience or Google suite or any of those Mm -hmm. and you know I I I could figure it out easy because you know the internet and I'm not you know dumb like I could I could pick it up uh but you know nobody want nobody's paying you really to pick it up and if they do they're you know they're not really paying a lot or they don't really have a lot of patience so it's 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 kind of that catch i don't know if catch 22 is the right word but i'll use it for lack of a better one like catch 22 of of like yeah like i don't have any other skills so really all mm-hmm. i can do is is retail right now unless i learn some other skills but then that takes time and mm-hmm. then i have to be patient there so then it's just a constant thing of okay am i going to spend all this time learning skills that are just going to help me for the short short-term gain like mm-hmm. that I'm trying to do because I don't plan on being at Bed Bath Beyond for years yeah. you know um 
so yeah it's a, it's it's a little difficult acting is something you can't really you can't really do on your own you can't really mm-hmm. you can't really just I mean you can to an extent but to a certain level and quality you can't really do it on your own you need other people you need money you need mm-hmm. a lot of things where you know other goods and services you you, you probably you may be able to start a business on your own and mm-hmm. Uh, e-commerce business you know what I mean like something like that so you know yeah that's a really good way of putting it is like skills because I think both of us have like my mom has been like people keep telling me to go into sales because Mm. I I I could I could do it you know I've done it before Um, I think you'd be good at it probably yeah no I I am I um (laughs) (laughs) so let's um Let's kind of, hmm, do we want to start with the what kind of child were you, Brandon? We can start wherever you would like. Okay, let's just try <laughs> it and see where see where it leads us. Okay, so Ooh. what kind of kid were you? What kind of kid was I? I was an only child. Okay. Um, I, hmm, this is an interesting question because it's like my idea of what I was versus what I'm here for this thing. Um, interesting, right? um let's see I was my grandma used to call me an old man all the time like when I was younger um I huh I used to love having friends and stuff like that even though I didn't really have a lot because of kind of where I lived compared to like where the school was so a lot of my friends were kind of like family because uh when I was a child I was living in Toledo Ohio and I have like a big kind of extended family, more or less. And so like cousins were close, like my, me and my cousins, my cousins and I, I don't know, one of those. Um, and so like, it was kind of that, but I didn't, I didn't, it's not like I went over my friend's house all the time or anything like that. I think I can name once or twice. I went over my friend, Alex Duncan's house, shout out to Alex. <laughs> um, he was cool, but yeah, once or twice. And then Besides that, I didn't really. So it, it, it was, I don't want to say lonely, but, mm. you know, I didn't have I didn't have kids in the neighborhood either um, because of where my grandparents lived when, I, when me, my mom and I stayed with them. Um, and then the other houses, I didn't really have kids in the neighborhood. So I didn't really experience having friends, like, close to me and being able to go outside and play mm-hmm. and stuff until we moved to Charlotte, which was sixth grade. I wouldn't say attention seeking, but I definitely like, like talking to people, like interacting with people, Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Doing that kind of thing. I was more comfortable around adults sometimes than kids. Oh, a hundred percent. I always had, um, always had like, always was around older people just by nature, like my grandparents and Mm -hmm. like all of my extended family are way older than me. And then my mom's like, side of the cousins are like her age so they're older as well so they're mm-hmm. kind in reach some of them but not and then um like I grew up in church my grandpa is a bishop and so like oh, wow the the church conferences and stuff like that I was always hanging out with the older kids and stuff mm-hmm. and I was so I think that's partly why my grandma always called me an old man because yeah. <laughs> I kind of took on that whatever I was yeah. drinking coffee when I was like mad young just because it, it kind of tastes good it was mostly sugar like it was barely yeah. coffee um like it was it was funny I remember you saying um 
Friday that you always wanted to be older. Oh, 100%. Always. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed it just seemed like it always just seemed cool. Like it, it seemed you you're able to do more. You kind of you have more wisdom obviously. You you understand mm-hmm. things a little more. You're not kind of restricted by immaturity and childish mm-hmm. things um that you're not in control of because you are you know a child mm-hmm. so yes um yeah I always just wanted to be older and I don't know what older meant to me like like even now I, I can't wait to be a, like a grandpa like <laughs> it's really weird but like yeah. that's, that's kind of I just feel like that time period is going to be really dope because you know, you, you have lived life and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll have understood what's going on. You can help people just in terms of like getting their life together and, and wisdom. You just have so much wisdom. I feel like if you, if you've done my life right um, and you're able to just teach and help and I don't know something about being older, but I, I guess that like presents a problem of like, maybe not enjoying now. I don't know. Not enjoying the present. I don't know. Something that came to mind as you were talking was how we were both saying with jobs, we don't like them controlling us. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of the same thing as when you were a kid. Like, I can't wait for to be on my own schedule, you know? Right, right, right. You kind of, you, you know, like, I, I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to. Yeah. There was something just always appealing, I think. I think it was a grass is always greener thing of, yeah. of just seeing older people and being like oh that's cool like I want to do that I want to be Mm -hmm. able to do that I want to be able to experience that um and I think when I was a child like when I was in Toledo it was more so like not that I didn't enjoy childhood but there was an element of like you know I I don't have friends I don't get to go outside I don't like this Mm -hmm. that and the third just because of kind of situation and it, it wasn't like anybody was restricting me but you know where my grandparents lived there weren't children in the neighborhood where, you know, my mom and I moved, there weren't really kids in the neighborhood. So it was kind of like, well, you know, I, I can play by myself for only so long type thing, um, which sounds really sad. Yeah, as someone who has five siblings, I uh, can't, that makes me, I feel like I, I like they were like, having five siblings has been like one of the best things ever. Really? Yeah. My yeah, dad I was- wanted, I wanted one of the siblings. Yeah. My dad was an only child. And what you were saying is you're like, I might be wrong on how I remember myself. And my dad misremembers himself as like the perfect child. Really? Yeah. And then uh, like his cousin is the closest thing to his sister. And she's like, Rebecca, like your dad (laughs) is a very nice man, a very nice man. But no, like he's like, I made my bed every morning. <laughs> and, right. You know, not at all. Right. Not even close. Yeah. And but the thing is, is you could t- give my dad a lie detector test and he 10 hundred percent believes he did, you know, really? Like, well, because that's so there's, interesting. There's no one to correct him. Yeah. No, that's, you know, that's so true. The, the siblings are there to like I'm wearing this. My little sister called me out immediately. She's like, that's my shirt. And I um, <laughs> like I don't get away with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah no, I get that. Um, no, that's good. Yeah, you need that. I mean, yeah. You have to I be held closest, accountable. A hundred percent. I think the closest thing I had to a brother growing up was my cousin Jeremy. 
Um, and, you know, I think we spent the most time together because he's two weeks older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were the closest in age. We spent the most time together. Um, and, you know, that part was great. That that did happen. But like, you know, it wasn't every day. Like he didn't live around the yeah. corner. Like he, he lives a little bit away. So like, you know, that, that took time. That meant that somebody had to drive us there. Somebody had to pick us up. Somebody had mm-hmm. to, you know, we had to coordinate that. When are they doing this? Are they doing this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was be a lot, same. which I understand. Yeah, so what happened once you were in sixth grade and you were in a place with kids your own age? Was it, were you it awkward? It was great. Oh, it was no, good. No, not at all. I think okay. I've always been kind of a people person though. Like, yeah, I we, don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> Brandon could start a cult. He could, if he wanted to. A cult? Yeah. I think, I, I really think you could probably, you could start That's a cult really if you funny. wanted to, That's Brandon. Really, really funny. My favorite oh. movie is The Master, too. So okay. this, this is really funny. <laughs> no, but. Um, oh, no. Sixth grade came. Um, I think, was it sixth grade that the glasses happened? No, maybe that was seventh. So that was a little later. Sixth grade came, uh, I moved into this neighborhood, which was like full of kids that went to the middle school, which was literally right next door. Um, and they all used to, we all used to meet in the mornings and walk over together. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was really dope to have that experience finally of like some kind of communal childhood things. Um, and then I always just get mad because my mom was kind of strict growing up. Uh, but for a good reason, like a good streak of like, you know, take care of your responsibilities first, then you can play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a child, you take care of your responsibilities first. By the time you're able to play, nobody's playing because everybody's mm-hmm. now doing their chores. So like, it was, um, that part was interesting, managing then, now having all these friends, but also having the mother that I have, who's wonderful and amazing. But, mm-hmm. you know, just having that 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 process of, you know, when you're walking home from school, get home, you can get a snack and relax for a little bit, then get your work done, and then you can go out and play. But nobody else's parents were saying that. Mm. So it was kind of still hit and miss, and it was really interesting not thinking about it. Like, I used to do everything I could to stay out a little longer. Um, and, like, she didn't she didn't work at home at the time because she mm-hmm. later in my life worked from home. But she she was working at a job, so then I could kind of stay out a little longer and kind of press those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they they work sometimes, and then sometimes I would definitely get caught. But because <laughs> I would come home and take a nap, and then get a snack, and then by then it's like she's heading home, and <laughs> I barely started. Yeah, it was it was it was funny. But um, that that kind of transition to um, we moved. So that was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade high school I think freshman year I was still in the same apartment complex and I think I finally got to take the bus was that high school it was either it was either um freshman or sophomore year mm-hmm. so taking the bus was a whole new experience in itself as well because I'd never taken the bus before so that was great and fun and like something that people probably find a, a pain in the ass I found mm-hmm. like so kind of relaxing and stuff but it was that independence right you were taking it on a little own? bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was like you know I'll get up I'll go to the bus I'll see my friends on the bus we'll go to mm-hmm. school together there's like this 
this kind of excitement that comes with it. Um, it was the same like meeting everybody in the morning to walk mm -hmm. over to school. So it was it was nice. It was it was really it was really cool. Um, but then we eventually moved to another place, which is the house that I stayed at until till I left for college, actually, mm. and even a little bit while in college, and then I was high school and stuff. Mm -hmm. I might be getting ahead of myself. I don't know what else. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. So where where was acting in that? I did. I remember specifically in preschool we did which everybody has to do like a Christmas play. I went to a Christian preschool because my grandma, my grandma taught there. Mm -hmm. And is that preschool or kindergarten? I don't know. I was old like, enough to like, we were old enough to talk. So I don't know. I don't know. Preschool, Children, you know, I don't school. know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so everybody had to do this Christmas thing. I remember I was an angel. And that was the, the my earliest memory of like acting and being on stage. And I just remember I was, I was like, I was cutting up a little bit, I think. Yeah. And my, I remember seeing my grandma. She was like, "Stop it!" <laughs> like, because I was, I was being kind of bad. Um, and then my second earliest memory is when I was still in Toledo, and I did a play for Mrs. Huff, who I love to this day, and mm. sometimes can speak to her. And um, and she, yeah, we did either. Three Little Pigs or something like that. Wow, this is and I think young. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I was the, I played the big bad wolf. Uh-huh. So I can't mention, I can't really mention acting without ever, without mentioning sports as well, because they were so like. I was going to ask when sports got involved, because I felt like you played or something. What was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were so parallel my entire life until uh, high school. So I started playing, I think baseball was kind of my first love. Mm -hmm. um, I was terrible at basketball. <laughs> my mom was really good though. So it was kind of embarrassing. My mom could have probably went to the WNBA and stuff. Oh, I, was no. just, I was trash. Um, <laughs> and then I played football while I was in Toledo as well. Okay. So I played those two. And then when I moved to Charlotte in middle school, you can't play a sport until seventh grade. Okay. I didn't, I wanted to play football, but didn't. And I thought about baseball, but I didn't think I was really good anymore or whatever. And so instead I tried out, I auditioned for the play mm -hmm. and it was Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be the Mad Hatter because it seemed like really dope. And I auditioned and got the sheet and it was like, yeah, you're going to be card number five. And I, <laughs> and I was like, nah, bro, I'm out. So I quit. Uh-huh. And my mom was not having it. She was like, you're not just going to quit stuff just because you don't like what you got. Like, or you don't, you don't, you know what I mean? Like she wanted to teach me a lesson. So she was like, the next play you have to audition. And so that was eighth grade then, right? Am I remembering this correct? Or maybe later seventh grade. Okay. And the show this time was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. I auditioned this time because I had to. It was a musical too. And uh, I got Charlie Bucket. <laughs> and it was not fair. <laughs> and yeah, and that was kind of that was kind of it from there. And I started playing football eighth grade year. And ever since from eighth grade till my the end of my junior season of football in uh, what's junior, eleventh grade, mm -hmm. I did football and theater. 
was it like in the fall it was football season and then in the spring you did theater or were you doing two yeah. in one semester so I wasn't so because I did football and they had so how the setup was in the fall was football obviously and then the spring was mm-hmm. was theater but in the fall there was also a theater show that was a regular play but in the spring was a musical Okay. So because football, once you get into high school, football becomes a whole ordeal. My brother's played. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it becomes it becomes slowly but surely a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't do the fall play, which was a regular play. So I had to do a musical. So I was doing musicals all the time, and they were fun. But that's not like that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be James Bond or like yeah. Indiana Jones or something. Like I wasn't yeah. trying to, you know what I mean? So, um. Yeah, it was like that all the way to a junior year of high school. And then after that junior season, I was just like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to continue playing football. I don't want to go to the NFL. Um, I felt like I'm being a little underappreciated. Um, and I don't want to play football in college because it becomes, it is a full-time job at that point. Mm-hmm. And I won't have time for acting. And, uh, you know, I've all, I've, since living in Toledo, I've wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. so it's like you know I, I gotta quit so I quit which was a crazy decision um that was a that was one of the first big shifts in my life I think yeah especially because in the south I'm from in the south like literally little towns in around in little towns the grocery store shuts down on Friday night <laughs> You know, Friday nights is is crazy. It's it and it's and it's like it's magic. And I don't even care about football. I've seen so many games, and I understand how it works, and I don't care. But when (laughs) (laughs) I just I don't. But but there is there is something though about watching a game with someone I know in it. It's very different, and it's like everybody comes to the game. It is the social event of. it's magical and then like I remember I went to a little Christian high school I'm not athletic I don't have any depth perception like I (laughs) I'm not I'm not court like no one and I remember like I almost by like a lot of the people sometimes I feel like I was like less than you know it's kind Uh, of like and I'm wondering if it was this for you because I couldn't play a sport so everyone left me alone but it's was it kind of almost like Brandon you're athletic like why wouldn't you be doing this you know did you get any pushback I didn't really get any serious pushback because I've always I guess presented myself as a person who did both so everybody Mm kind of knew what to expect like my friends would come to see my musicals and then clown me but like would still come and support right of course and and you know then do the football thing and so like there was no real pushback. I mean, my coach was like, are you sure you want to do this? Whatever, whatever. And, uh, but then he was like kind of super supportive afterward as well. That's awesome. And, I, I, and you know, I was really grateful for that opportunity, like not that opportunity, but that, that situation. Cause you know, I'm, I'm sure other people in different circumstances might have to go through that pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I was blessed to have a pretty smooth transition. It was a very hard decision to make though because I love football I still love football um but you know I never I had a cousin in the NFL and there was a brief moment where I was like oh I want to I want to do that and then I was like not really though like it's fun 
Mm-hmm. I like how, you know, my body feels. I feel great. You know, I, I'm athletic. I like moving. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, he gets back spasms real bad still and, and can't move. Some, like, they're debilitating sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really want that for myself. So then what about college? Because you chose to go to a pretty – I did the same. I ended up going to a pretty small college, but you always knew you wanted to be an actor, so So college was a yeah yeah so I mean the thing is like to be honest I I consider not going to college multiple Mm -hmm. times um because especially you know football for a while was kind of a ticket to go to college for free which is amazing and a great opportunity um but the you know the the cost of it I, I wasn't ready to to pay so once I quit football my mom went into panic mode because she's like okay so how are we going to pay for your college in less than a year you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and how are we going to figure that out and you know she had some money saved up but what what have you and um so but because I quit football the junior junior year I was able to do something called NCTC and NCTC is the North Carolina Theater Conference. Yes, yes. Yes. So there we bring a play. Um, I was never able to do it and I always wanted to. You can win like awards and stuff like that. It was really cool. And they also have a college section where you audition for a bunch of schools in North Carolina. Mm. And so I made sure to audition for those. I got some callbacks because it gave me it gave me like, oh, okay, people are interested. Maybe there's a shot here. A little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. So Wake Forest was on the list. Now I wanted. I was thinking of going to like you know, I always wanted to go to Carolina potentially. I'm a big Ohio State Buckeye fan, but that didn't quite work out. Um, so Carolina didn't call me back, and you know some schools called me back. I went and met with them. It was cool, but nobody was really talking money yet. Mm-hmm. And I missed the only one I missed out on was Wake Forest. And so we went to lunch because everybody had broke for lunch for the day, basically, or dinner or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, okay, well, you'll just have to email them or something like that. And I'm with my mom in the cafeteria and we actually run into the Wake Forest rep. And she's like, oh yeah, I was wanting to meet you. And so they started talking and they were like, yeah, we have this thing called the presidential scholarship. Basically it pays for half of wow. of." the Scott the the school tuition and you know I think we can really get them some money as well to to handle the rest so by the I started that process because of that and that's the literally the only reason I looked at Wake Forest I um I visited it when I was doing kind of like football school school tours maybe sophomore junior year because Mm -hmm. my mom made me um I thought it was a pretty campus but I was like I don't I have no interest in Wake Forest um, and then full circle, they were kind of the leaders of mm-hmm. like, you know, really, really wanting me to come and, and, you know, shout out to Cindy Gendrick, cause she, she really kind of put her neck out there to not only give me the, you know, the presidential scholarship, which was amazing, but also help me get, you know, other scholarships and really get me in. Cause, you know, if I didn't do theater, I don't know if I would have gotten to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was I was able to get a really great opportunity. Um, now, once I got there, it was, you know, Wake Forest is Wake Forest. But <laughs> so that's that's kind of how Wake Forest came about. Um, yeah. 
Um, so were you kind of a big fish in a small pond at Wake Forest? Is it a big school? No, it's like, I want to say five, 7,000 kids. Like it's not, it's not a lot at all. I was in a similar kind of size and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of scared of the world. So I was like, I'm from a tiny little Christian school. I'll go to another tiny little Christian school and then acting will totally work out. (laughs) Genius. Um, But, um, and then I immediately got the lead in as a freshman and I was like, but I haven't learned anything yet. Mm, And, and that like, at first it was like, how amazing. And then I was like, okay. And then I got like the next lead. And then I was like, Oh, things are clicking. Um, well, also, I was like, um, I, I definitely haven't like reached my full potential yet. Why right. Why does this keep happening? And then I think, um, then I got how we were talking about getting stubborn. And then I started getting a little mad at the theater teacher because he was pissing me off um, mm-hmm. because I was like always doing my homework. I was always reading the plays like because I'm in college and I am passionate and I want to learn. And then no one else would like do the work and I would get all difficult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Were you a diva in high school? No, I in mean, college. in college. <laughs> in college. I, was, I was like, I got, hmm, I'll take this out. <laughs> but like, I feel he, you. he didn't try that hard and he was my professor. Mm. And so I, um, I decided there was a study abroad program and it was the same as my tuition. And I studied at Oxford and I, he wouldn't sign my email. So I would like sit outside of his office. I'd be like, okay, he'll get into the office by 9am ish. So I woke up early and I sat outside of his office with the paper and I was like, you're going to sign this for, you know? And so like, and then he didn't like it because that was condescending but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like you, you, you needed something done and he didn't do it the first way. So you That's, found a different way to get his attention. Yeah. And it's kind of like, once you, once like, if, if someone's disappointed me, it's not disappoint me once gone forever. It's like once someone reaches a certain point, I'm like, I can't trust you anymore. So that's, I went to, uh, yeah. From anyways, I, so it's, I don't know. That's so, interesting though, because I, I I dealt with that a lot too. Of, of I was always really forgiving, mm-hmm. you know. I, I was I was kind of always really forgiving, and and you know, eventually I had to just kind of. I've I've seen in the past few uh, few years is is tough. I would say the past one or two, mm-hmm. I've definitely kind of cracked down on that. Of you know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be bad blood or anything, but you know, at the end of the day, I got to do what's best for me. And right now you're, 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 I'm not protecting my peace by being around you or being in your Mm -hmm. presence or, or involving myself with you. I'm actually doing the opposite. So I got, I got better and better at just kind of cutting out the excess, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that that, like takes time too. Cause I, I wonder if, if it has to do with like maybe both of us growing up in the church, but it's very much like turn the other cheek, forgive. And it's like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And I have maybe. found at least that I thought I was being a good person, but I actually was getting so resentful. Like, let's mm. say I forgive you, but then I'm going to go to my friend and not even smack talk you. It'll be more like, oh, I'm so pissed off. And like, why can't Brandon mm. get his straw? And then actually like, <laughs> it's making me actually like a worse person 
And if I instead like kindly was like, Hey, Brandon, like, you know, actually you can't come over to my apartment to do your laundry because you're always <laughs> late and then I'm tired. Right. And I think you're <laughs> such a specific. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have that problem. That's never happened with any of. <laughs> Who's coming late to do that laundry at your crib? It's a little subtweet in there. That's funny. I guess. I don't know where that came from. Um, but uh, yeah, then eventually, like, I'm actually resenting you so much. And there's no, there's actually no love in that. It's just me being See, I was different. pissed off. Yeah, I was different, though. Like, I, I, and I always wondered if it was like a self-worth thing, a self-worth mm-hmm. thing. Because I, I, I would, I would forgive and forgive and not, not really hold resentment. I mean, I would remember things. I'm not stupid, but I would forgive and forgive, but then ultimately just put myself through the same pain. And it was almost as if subconsciously was doing something for me to go through that pain. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sounds really like toxic to myself, but like, you know, I was, I was allowing certain things and I was, I was putting up with certain, certain people, especially like, I mean, to be completely honest, especially like with women early on, mm-hmm. like I was putting up with stuff and, and dealing with stuff. And I was just like, bro, like, you don't have to do this but but for some reason I was a my friend that told me one time he was like I think you like that feeling for some reason because you keep putting yourself in those situations and that was really interesting to hear and kind of reflect on and stuff what kind of you don't have like nothing like too too specific but was it just girls that like didn't appreciate you or was it girls that yeah I think I think (laughs) it was a mix of things I think you know, my mom raised me, right? Uh, I think mm-hmm. I was kind of, I had the nice guy syndrome through through school and stuff. And and it's really funny because a couple of those kind of came full circle of like, um, you know what I mean? When, I, when we were younger, I was too nice. And now I used to hear a lot, oh, this sounds kind of pretentious, but <laughs> I yeah. used to hear a lot like, like, oh, like you're the Marian type. So like when I'm older or something like that, you know what I mean? Like I heard uh-huh. that a lot growing up uh-huh. and shit. And so basically it kind of, it kind of, it kind of did like mess with my self-esteem. Cause it's like, okay, so nobody wants me right now. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with me right now? Am I doing oh something gosh. wrong? Yeah. You know, am I, am I doing something wrong? You know, and do I need, mm-hmm. why is that attractive? You know, my mom didn't teach me that. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom very much, I, I think did a great job in just teaching me how to, how to treat women and, and mm-hmm. how to behave around women and, and things of that nature. So, you know, that it, I, I can see how maybe, that affected then what mm-hmm. I put up with later on. It, it took me a while to finally, like I, I was aware of it. And then it took me a while to finally kind of get to the point where I was like, nah, like I'm not dealing with that. Mm. And I don't think, I don't think it really came until I would say recently, like it slowly came in and, and I was getting better at it. And there were certain things that I was kind of like, whatever, and, and starting to learn to move to the side and, and kind of put a hard stop there but I don't think until you know the past couple years did I really have the no this is a thing where I need to there's a hard line because you're not good for me in any yeah. sense of, of of the phrase so yeah we, a little, it, little honesty for your Monday. No, I love <laughs> that. I love. Yeah, it's it's interesting how in relationships we all kind of have like our hamarsha that like 
every single time until we figure ourselves out, we're going to keep finding and attracting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like for me, um, my intelligence was something I didn't have a lot of self-worth or respect for. So I would always Mm. choose someone who seemed like, not just like, oh, they're hyper intelligent. I love you. But like smart (laughs) and like, will let you know that they're smart and like present as really confident and like, Mm. yeah, I've got this. And so then I'm like, okay, well, you're amazing. If I can get you to love me, then I am worthy, you know? Interesting. That's always kind of been- yeah, I, I like getting to know people. I like meeting new people. Um, I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, my, I, I got in trouble with my mom because we had first went to Charlotte to visit, right? And um, and I was, my mom went in the store and I was outside with my cousin, basically in the in kind of the, you know, the walkway or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh and we were sitting on the bench and I started talking to this guy random, just like this random dude. And I was just like, what's up? What's your name? Whatever. My mom came out and I introduced him. I was like, hey, mom, this is Frank, you know, whatever. <laughs> and she was like, who in the world is Frank? dude? Why are you just talking to strangers? And uh, yeah, she got kind of nervous or whatever. But like, I was just all, I guess I've always kind of been that type of person. Um, and I try, I try and stay genuine too, because like, I, don't, I never want to come off as disingenuous of like, mm-hmm. you know, some people say that that type of person then don't really care or whatever. So I try, I try and, you know, just, yeah, just give my energy to people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and hope in return, I get some good back and we can have an actual relationship. And I think that I love that you said, like, you give your energy to people because what you were saying earlier is now you're getting more selective, on who you right. give that to that's 100 percent true so definitely can we, can we cross the pond now on how you got to lambda i would love to okay. uh probably the my favorite and craziest two years of my life mm-hmm. uh so it started wake forest um the school i did not want to be at once i got there the school that I almost transferred from every year I was there, but I needed it, but I needed it, which you is really did. interesting. Can I ask what happened? When I didn't really want to be in college, you know, I, I kind of wanted to go straight to New York or well, really New York, not really LA, but always New York. Um, and I want to be an actor and I'm like, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, you know, doing school stuff, which I, I always liked learning. I just didn't like school. And I only realized that recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it, it was, it was tough and I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. I just wanted to spend all my time doing acting. But at the time I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do a conservatory. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of being indecisive with that as well. And, you know, the, the culture as well, like, you know, Wake Forest is full of like rich people from New England, you know, mm-hmm. very specific, you know, culture and, and, and what it brings. And, you know, it, it wasn't really inviting to, to people that look like me necessarily, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you have to deal with that as well. And it was only a handful of us anyways. And, you know, if you don't count the people who, the ones who play sports, it's really only a handful of us. So, you know, all of that mixed together made me not want to be there, but I got, I had the idea of like, yo, I'm gonna study abroad. And um, I decided on London cause I had been before when I was really, really young. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted to go to London. I love James Bond. Like I was in love with London, right? I love that this, wait, who's your favorite James Bond? <laughs> Daniel's dope. Sean Connery's fire too. Yeah. I grew up though on Pierce Bronson. Okay. Bronson. Okay. So it's, it's, it's between those, you know, I, I, I would have to, Daniel's been killing it. Uh, but Pierce Bronson is pretty much the one I knew, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I studied abroad, went to London, was there for six months. Um, kind of learned about London theater and all this other stuff, kind of the schools and stuff too. Came back. Um, Rodney actually did a class at Wake Forest. He did a master class on Shakespeare. I love Rodney so much. <laughs> yeah. He did a master class on Shakespeare. I heard of Lambda and I had, I've been thinking at this time, like, okay, am I going to go to New York now or am I going mm-hmm. to, or am I going to go do some more training? Because you know, Wake Forest is an academic school. It's not a conservatory. Um, and so I just kind of accepted that and was like, okay, cool. Well, I, I, I need more. I need something more to feed. me. And so when I heard Lambda was coming, I just kind of did a little research, saw that Chiwetel Ejiofor went there and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So after the master class, talked to Rodney and I was like, oh yeah, I know Chewy went there, whatever. He was like, oh yeah, Chewy, I love him, whatever. And so I ended up, Okay, concise, Brandon, concise. I ended up uh, deciding I was going to audition for drama schools. I made a list of three because I I, I said my senior year I was going to do every play. So I auditioned for all of them. And I was, I believe, all of them except one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really busy all, all my senior year. And I decided I was going to do NYU, uh, Juilliard, and uh, Lambda. Wow. I had, to, I had to condense it because I was doing a show. And so I looked at the dates of like callbacks and this, that, and the third. And the only one I was able to do was Lambda. And so I went to New York, I did my audition. Well, I flew into New York, did my audition. I had to fly back, had a show either that, I think that night. Then finally I got a callback, went and did the callback, came back, got it. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like literally yeah. the only one I was able to do um and the one I wanted to go to the most mm-hmm. I, I got into um and then you know got ready for got ready for London so that way you went like this year to this year you you went straight to a new academic setting yeah and a very different one I, I had the summer to kind of like what did I do over the summer I think I was in I was in Michigan at my uncle's house over the summer and I worked like two or three jobs and just kind of was saving up money Mm-hmm. um for a couple months over the summer and uh yeah and then went straight to a, a and school when we were talking you said like those that summer leading up to lambda were like some of the biggest that you've experienced what happened no that was the first that was the first summer at lambda okay what happened i just had like a shift in my mind like i had um i kind of really discovered what meditation was mm-hmm um uh, myself and Gilbert were reading uh the, the laws of human nature which neither one of us has finished to this day <laughs> uh, but, but we were super hype about the book it was Robert Green, and we were like oh he had like a heart attack during this this is going to be like earth changing like yeah. all this other stuff um and I started reading that and stuff started clicking and you know I think that time of self of more self-reflection and meditation and actually slowing down Mm-hmm. And having that time to myself really just 
I think changed my life for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I would have, I, I, I don't think at all I would have got that had I stayed in, you know, in the U.S. Because I would have just kept going. Did you, um, yeah, because it, it sets you also in this different state of mind because you have to be present. Like mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. isolated yourself from all of your comfort, like you're stripped away from everything that makes you feel comfortable, you know, like, I I don't know about you, but the first time I was in the UK, um, I, I felt embarrassed to talk sometimes really because I didn't want, I was like, I well, I was like, Oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm a dumb American. And I kid (laughs) you not, this is so this, I like still cringe thinking about this is how embarrassed I was to exist as an American. Um, I was in this big lecture. I'd been attending it for like three weeks and it was like during my study abroad and the professor, I'm not going to do the accent. I think she was like Hungarian (laughs) or something. She was like, right. And it was about Shakespeare and history. And it was so fascinating. And I loved going every week. And she was like, right, because everyone's working on their thesis, you know, and she was like, and everyone's like, yes, yes. And I was just sitting there and I was just, and I wasn't there for my thesis. I was just there because I was interested. So I was just like, and she was like, oh, what are you here for? And the whole room looks at me and I don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not a word. You just keep staring at her. No. I was just Ooh. like, mm. and then it, there was like a 20 second pause. And then she was like, all right. All right. And then she was like, <laughs> thank you all for attending my lecture series. And everyone's like, okay. And I left and I was like, I, I looked like I was maybe planted with a bomb or something. Like I just, yeah. it was the, I would, I was, it was the creepiest thing. I'm sure that's a story people tell is like, there was this girl in our <laughs> class and she never said right. anything. Mm-hmm. The whole room was true. I must've like been having a panic attack or something. Right. I, I don't, that, that is, I like, I can be awkward, but I'm not that bad. I, yeah. I must've been having like some kind of mini panic attack. But, um, but no, by being over there, it really does make it real in your head that like, I'm committed, you know, I'm not going home on the weekends. I'm present, like, and you have to form those intense relationships. One at Lambda, everyone's intense all the time. But um, yeah, that's very true as well. It's not reality at all. It's such a, it's such a, uh, sorry, mom, but a mind fuck. Like it's it, you, you're especially like I know you, you did the one, one year, mm-hmm. but like doing two, well, the second year it kind of eases up a little bit, but that that first year is just a culture shock, and and you're in this this bubble basically mm-hmm. that you never really get out of because you're in from what 10 a.m. to 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. every day, mm-hmm. and everything you do outside of it pretty much has to relate to it and it's it's and so every little thing you're super hypersensitive to emotions and people and all this other stuff and it's just it's not real it's a mind fuck and it's it's really unfortunate because it's it it messes with people's minds you come out one or two ways you come out you know a little damaged or you come out on the other side you know triumphant and like oh I learned so much about myself I'm so much better because of that and it's it's really kind of sad because you know it could have easily gone a very different way for me mm-hmm. you know had I not found Gilbert or had I not you know done my own self-work 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, of self-reflection and just kind of keeping things in perspective and stuff and, and mm-hmm. staying the course. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Because I mean, whether, I mean, they tell you not to compare yourself to other people, but like in that school, everybody is so talented. You're watching people at all times and they're so great. And everyone's like, so like just gorgeous, but like in their own, like everybody just like carries themselves. And I actually didn't always notice it, but you know, like the tech program, Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that like how actors like we kind of present ourselves a different way until there was once I saw a group of people on the tech course walking by like normal humans and then right. I saw some of the acting students like gliding like oh. <laughs> and, I was, like, fun. and yeah. I was like we're so weird because we're around yeah, no, actors at all times so we don't we're like no I'm a normal person and then I'm kind all. of like I'm like, my enunciation is ridiculous. No one talks like this. I sound <laughs> I'm like a, like a nanny in a, I don't know, early 1900s. Um, <laughs> I, it's too many diction classes. They ruined me. Yeah, yeah I had to so- work on mine a lot too, which was, that's the interesting thing. It, for me, it's so, it's very interesting, especially just because you talked about diction real quick. Trying to figure out my voice in itself for me has been kind of tough. Mm. Like between, between, um, you know, you code switch and you, you, you talk differently around different people. And, and like, I've always felt like my voice has kind of been in the middle of two different octaves kind of, so it never Mm. kind of feels settled and stuff. And then, you know, sometimes I have really sharp diction and sometimes it's a little more uh, like relaxed and kind of whatever. And, and, you know, my grandma has always told me that I like jumble my words and stuff. And, and so like dealing with that, it's just, it was just really interesting going through the voice part of, of, um, of Lambda trying to figure out what my voice is, which I'm still at times figuring it out because, mm-hmm. you know, how I speak to X is different possibly than how I speak to Y. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, when I'm acting, then how do I know what's kind of really sitting in there and what's real? And, and, mm. you know, if I, if I can't really quite make the distinction sometimes in real life, like I catch myself, I catch myself code switching all the time. Like, yeah, I'm sure. And I, and I can't quite get out of it and, and having that experience and then trying to act as well. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I say interesting a lot. So I'm trying to find a new word, but no, I, yeah, <laughs> you can thesaurus it. Sometimes I'll do that. Right. Like I've said yeah. this too many times. That's really interesting. Um, so Robert um, was working with me. Um, he's one of the voice teachers. Y- you know this, but I'm just saying for people, voice teachers at Lambda. And Rob Price, right? Yeah, Rob Price. My yeah, guy. He, yeah, he's he's he like made a huge, huge impact. Um, Robert, if you're listening, I love you. And I don't love email you, you to tell you that because it stresses me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't reach out to people and I need to, um, but I just, I get stressed. Um but uh, he he at one point, I, one thing I noticed is Brits freaking love Southern accents, um, which oh, yeah. they love that. And it's so funny because in Chicago, I used to live there and they would hate if they kept caught me. They were like pretty much like, oh, you're dumb and a terrible person. You're Southern. Oh, wow. Like, but yeah. but in the UK, everyone's like, oh, how charming. 
And, um, <laughs> right, right, and right. so when Robert heard my Southern accent for something, he was like, oh, that's your real voice. You have to use your real voice. Like, because I, I dropped it because it had all these negative connotations anywhere mm-hmm. else. And, um, and then I was like, well, this is my real voice, but then that's my real voice too. You know, like it isn't, yeah. it, it's not like I'm, I'm both of them. And for the most part, I sound like this. But I mean, you know, it, but it, it's yeah, hard. No, it's, it's hard. Figuring that out is it's tough. Like I, when you were saying the negative connotations, it reminded me when we were over in in London, there was a um, there was a situation where there was a news anchor and they were from the north somewhere and mm-hmm. they had a really thick accent. And they were getting like complaints to the to the station and stuff. Like over there, like accents are almost equated to to a hierarchy or like class or something yeah it's it's really like class driven which is really sad but it it, you know being totally honest it's the same here oh yeah like you know just like you said a southern accent uh, depending on how it is and and how how harsh it harsh it is yeah you know it it it, um it could be seen as you know being dumb or this that and the third Mm -hmm. um same with like cali you know the cali girl at valley girl accent or whatever you know what i mean so it's, we we kind of do the same thing um and it's it's really unfair but it's one of those things it's kind of like stereotypes like stereotypes are have become stereotypes to some degree because they they have some bit of truth in it to some degree now you shouldn't you shouldn't generalize and 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 say that everyone is like that but like you know, there are some stereotypes that are like oh, a little true. And so it's, it's, it's that tough, I guess, balance or whatever of, of yeah, of like, you know, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. You, you really can't. I mean, you can, but you, you won't be satisfied doing so. Accents were beautiful. I love the Northern accents. Oh, I love the thicker accents. They were great. I think they were all like, yeah, I, I love them. Chloe, shout out to Chloe English. Love her yeah. accent. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, can you just record this and just like? Listen? Yeah, hundred percent. I used to talk to her just to like hear hear her talk. I mean, she's a great human being as well. Yeah. But like, I would love to just talk to her and just listen to her, her voice because I went to go see um, Death of a Salesman when it was at the Young Vic. Mm-hmm. Who was in um, that? All black cast. Window Pierce, who's American, and oh, then everybody cool. else was British. And you know, they're all you know great actors in their own right or whatever but between that and then I saw another I think uh was it a train or something like that I, mm-hmm. somebody will get it for me but um yeah I saw those and I was just like it's really interesting with the black accent so this the the, the, the issue with a lot of the black actors that they're facing um and it's just from lack of having someone black and american over there to help them mm-hmm. is that they do an accent so i'm watching i'm watching death of the salesman and the black actors are doing an american accent but they sound white ah because all of their references all of their their teacher probably mm-hmm. like all everything that they're trying to get it from are from a white person so it it doesn't have the same register it doesn't have the same feel it doesn't fit in their body at all mm-hmm. like i've been telling my my friends over there who are working on accents and stuff like you're getting the vowels great, but now you sound like you sound like a Jewish dude from New York or something like that. Like let's let's 
let's get it more in your register. And there's nothing wrong with that, but let's get it more in your register. So it sounds like it's coming out of your voice, out of your, your body and your voice. Um, and I find, I, I see that a lot of them struggle with that just because they, there's no, yeah, there's no leadership over there that have experience with that. And it's so different. You can't, you can't do a general American really, mm-hmm. especially if you're black, because you're, you're not general America. Yeah. So, so you, you can't really, you can't really do that. So, um, that was a big thing all the time that, that I saw that British, like British, especially had to face. That makes so much sense because like, I, I mean, like our voice department, I mean, they, they were all British and white for the most part. Yeah. Entire school. Entire. Yeah. No, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah the a, entire school that's is, 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 is white and British. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about that one, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. That'll be yeah. part two. Yeah. I would love that. Um, it would be a really good conversation, but um, I love what you're saying though. That makes so much sense on how- Cause it becomes an identity thing. It mm-hmm. becomes a, it becomes a, you know, acting is just, it, it, it is to an extent pretending, but you're trying your best to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And if you, it, like, what does that say about, I mean, it, it almost shows how strong white supremacy is though, if you, if you think about it, because if I, as a, a black British person, a, am seeing myself and am using, uh, you know, a white person as my guide to ultimately the black experience, more or less, what does that say? You know, that if I'm using that voice, if I'm, if I, if that's my reference, you know, I can't, I can't do all the black research, black American research, and then not, then have the black American experience having it uh, through my body and and how I speak as well. Mm-hmm. so you know and not to you know black people are monoliths so obviously that's not what I'm saying at all but you know that it, it's it was really interesting watching that play because you have they already they already did it where you know the family is black so there's already now racial elements into it which I think is brilliant and I've thought of before and I was really mad that they did it before I could do it and it works in the show really really well right um, but but then to see you know to see everyone besides Wendell Pierce, basically, who are Black now sound white. And it's not a conscious decision. But for me, it obviously does something because I'm aware of context and what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. So it was just really interesting then, you know, on a psychological level to see, you know, Black people speaking as if they're white, but then Mm -hmm. trying to live the Black experience, because now that's a whole nother door that's open that they're not even really necessarily probably conscious of. Yeah. yeah, that like I said, that's that's all another podcast as well. But that I mean, that's something that me in a million years, you're seeing it on like an even bigger scale, on a professional scale, and they don't even know like they're professional actors, yeah, and yeah, it's like, but right. you're seeing them trying their best and really wanting to tell this story and right, 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 capped, you know, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was, it was really fascinating thinking about it and, and kind of, you know, from, from my point of view, being a black American thinking about the, the implications of it. My accent was much better when I was over there. Now it's quite shit. Cause when I tell stories, I often switch in and out of the voices a little bit. I don't, I did that in front of Bennett at Cumberbatch and he was like, we were talking about mental health and he was like, all right, well, we don't want you to become schizophrenic or something. And um, so Bennett at Cumberbatch thinks I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> 
Shout out Benny. He was um he was really nice to us. Uh, that he was filming that that Brexit movie, right next door to Lambda. Y'all were invited to set, weren't you? Yeah, the E2 so were. He was he was really nice to us. Shout out to Benedict. <laughs> the sweetest. He was saying it with like the most. He was not trying to. I was using a lot of voices. Um, you were just doing a lot, right? Yeah, well, no, I didn't I get mean it. to I get it. because it's like I'm already. You know, I get stressed out, and then I was just like, ah. But anyways, he yeah, he did. He like stared into my eyes, and we talked about mental health for like five minutes. So oh wow, yeah, he's, nice. he's amazing. Um, <laughs> so anyways, what was and we talked a little bit about this on the phone. But mm-hmm. post Lambda, I'd love for you to mm-hmm. take take us through that because you had maybe one of the most fairy tale post Lambda stories. I'm trying to think of anybody that instantly started working back to back as quickly as you did. Uh, I was really blessed. Uh, I had got a British agent while I was over there, which was a blessing as well. Are you still with she, him? Yeah, I'm still with Natalie. Cool. Love Natalie. Um, and she connected me with a manager in LA that she shares clients with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was over in London for a little while. Um, I, he knew I was coming over to LA to, to do showcase, whatever, said he would see me, he would check me out. Um, and the day of graduation, literally right before I submitted an, I did an audition right before graduation for industry. Um, and Joe helped me out, McNamara, <laughs> he helped me out. And uh, yeah, I was just like, okay, cool. Another audition. I had been auditioning for like half the year, okay. which was nice and, and a blessing and, and, and all of that. And, and um, yeah, I got the call like a week or so later said they, they wanted me to come on board and we had to start going through the protocol for visas and all this other stuff. So. I booked industry, yeah, like a week or two after graduation officially and um, and kind of had to figure it, sort that stuff out. Uh, that, that, that process took a little longer, but, you know, officially they wanted me like a, a couple, I think a couple weeks after graduation. So that was nice. Um, and then I filmed some of those, some of those scenes. And I missed, because I was filming, I missed the... New York showcase because we come back to the mm-hmm. states and do a New York LA showcase. So I had to miss the New York showcase. So I never made it to New York. I still haven't been to New York in you know years now. And went straight to LA. Mm-hmm. Very very jet lagged. Had maybe a day to kind of get it together, and had to do the LA showcase, which I felt was absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, I was just tired, jet lagged, all like all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did that. Uh, the manager came with the rest of his team with Johnny and Emily. Love them. And, um, you know, I, I met with, there were a couple people who were, in, a few people who were interested in me, which was really nice. Uh, met with them. And then, uh, you know, Jeff, Johnny, and Emily were the best fit. So signed with them. Um, that was maybe October, I think. That's around the time of showcase. Yeah. Right. So that was within, that was maybe a week or two of me coming to LA, mm-hmm. signed with a manager. What a blessing. I had to, I traveled to go see my mom. So I was gone for a couple months and then I had to go back to London to finish filming. 
uh-huh. um, industry. I think I had like one or two days left. Um, and then I went to see family again when I came back. I officially moved to LA the beginning of February, mm-hmm. right in the like pilot season about to start. Mm-hmm. My first ever pilot season. And I auditioned, auditioned, and then by the end of February, I booked the lead of a CW series, uh, which was absolutely nuts, because uh, that was almost about a year, uh, a year ago, officially. Mm-hmm. Um, so booked that. Flew, it was, it was filming also in North Carolina, which is where I'm from, at Wilmington, which is a school I almost went to. So I was like, oh, this is dope. This is like a return to home type thing. Mm-hmm um went to go film that was a long process with screen tests and they were trying to find my brother the guy to play my brother forever et cetera, et cetera. filmed for four days and then the corona happened and they flew us back to LA I stayed there for a bit then I, I flew to see my uncle and aunt in Atlanta and then I was in Atlanta for a bunch of months mm-hmm. and then maybe June, July, I went to Charlotte for a bit. And around then was when the contract was running up. Still knew nothing. Obviously, everybody was losing money and couldn't make as much or whatever. And the director hit me up. was like, hey, they're, you know, we're shopping it around, but CW doesn't want to pick it up. Uh, and yeah, so if nobody else picks it up, then, you know, it's kind of it's kind of over for it. And that's what happened and you know so it was quite a roller coaster I was I was was very grateful though like you know the fact that I went over to London got an agent which I was never expecting Mm -hmm. was already for me like whoa well they tell you at Lambda also like or at least Penny did for the most part she was like please do not get your hopes up she's like that doesn't really happen Um, which I understood I fully understood of course yeah and I try and tell my friends or anybody American that I know over there, but we all fall in love with it and want to stay, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But, but you know, th- there's no work for us over there. Mm-hmm. Like my agent, I- I'm assuming saw something in me past London or maybe was hoping I mm-hmm. had an accent and I kind of tricked her. Nah, yeah. she's great. Uh, but, but um, you know, she, I think she had kind of a bigger vision in terms of just London. So that it, it, you know, she saw something there and it worked out, but like, I was really, really blessed with that situation. Mm-hmm. There's no space for Americans over there. No, because you, you, know, booked, you booked an American on, on a British. Right, that's the only reason I booked. Yeah, it, it, it's like, it's like, um, was the girl that you played opposite of, was she just really good at America at an American accent? Or was no, she? No, she went to, uh, she, she went to, not Juilliard. She went to, uh, Carnegie Mellon. Okay. Carnegie so Mellon. Actually- she, she's an American. Yeah, she's American. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were the two, there were three Americans on the show. Mm-hmm. There was, from my understanding, there's Mahala, who's the lead. Mm-hmm. There's Eric, who's also one of the leads. Mm-hmm. And then there was me. Now they were only allowed to give out two SAG AFTRA things for it. So they gave it to her and it was her first one, I believe. Uh-huh. He obviously had one. So yeah. the only reason I really booked that show was because when I was American and two, I wasn't SAG affiliated yet. So if I was SAG, uh-huh. they, I wouldn't have got cast. Yeah. 
so it was kind of just kind of the stars aligning for me low key like it was it was it was it was really really crazy your first thing was an hbo like yeah that was wild is it gonna get renewed yeah, they're doing a season two. I don't know if I'll be in it, but they, yeah. they're <laughs> hopefully Conrad, if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're doing. I feel like that, that story arc really season. isn't finished yet. You know, I you know, like, I think that we can really we can get like, some what, more out of it. What happened to Todd, anyways? He just you know, went out into the night, and the, the people want to know. I want to know. <laughs> I was watching, and I was like, "You what? <laughs> Come back!" Um, <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, um, yeah, I was just, I was kind of really lucky. Uh, that's what a lot of this, I think, business is. It's just timing and luck that's totally out of your control, yeah. which brings me to like why I've been so like hard on patience recently. Mm-hmm. Just accepting what you can't control and, and the things you can't control, dealing with that. And, you know, yeah, patience has been like my theme for some time now yeah yeah there's um a quote by a character who judy dench plays um so it's a little bit of a but i mean i love her um there's a quote from um the grant no it's not the greatest marigold hotel it's a movie about old people oh yeah i remember that yeah yeah. it's right up my alley i freaking love old people (laughs) um those kind of movies that they market to senior citizens are like I'm like, oh, your, your thing. oh yeah. Um, right. But she has a quote where she says, everything will, she said, everything will work out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. And, yeah. and I mean, that. that's something I've just had to keep reminding myself of, of just like, what if it all works out? Cause right now I'm like, oh, I'm back to the jobs I was doing before. And I've like, this past year has been this personal growth like I feel like I've changed so much but then nothing has changed and I'm back where I am and then I'm just like but like you know yeah I think we're so hard and unfair on ourselves as as humans constantly like you know myself included like we we just we're we're really hard on ourselves and the world has stopped like it's starting to move a little bit now but you know, and I feel bad for all of my friends who are just coming out of drama school and have to come into this world. But like, you know, there is no real progress right now to the extent of what we were even thinking about. Like those opportunities aren't even necessarily available. Mm -hmm. So why are we hard on ourselves about stuff that we can't even, we have no control over. And most of the people in the world are feeling the same thing. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we just have to relax and be like, look, this is where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're doing our part, we're working hard. And, and, when the world's back you know maybe we can have a different conversation but you know we can't be hard on ourselves for something that's out, out of our control well yes we, can. yes we can i mean we can we can, we can. <laughs> you get nothing productive <laughs> but um don't tell me what to do no i mean I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay so two questions i really okay I want you to tell me at least one horror story audition at least one horror story audition. I auditioned for uh, the Tom and Jerry movie when I was in London. <laughs> um, it's the most randomest thing. Um, audition for Tom and Jerry. I'm like, oh, this would be kind of fun. Like, 
Chloe Grace was already attached to it. Uh-huh. It's obviously you're dealing with a bunch of cartoons and stuff. I was like, oh, this might be kind of fun. But for some reason, beyond me, I was probably the most nervous I had been in an audition up to that point. It uh-huh. was so weird, so strange. Um, and I, I was, so I went in, had on a nice, like, little, little, little nice jacket. You know, yeah. they were kind of, they were like, oh, nice. I like your yellow jacket. It was yellow and shit. Uh-huh. And um, I was, I was literally shaking. Like my hands, everything, my legs were shaking. And I'm like, bro, you don't care this much. And it's like, it's Tom and Jerry, like, just, just say the lines. Yeah. But I could not, I could not get anything under control. And I was shaking and, and I left that audition going like, they're never going to call me back, talk to me again, like whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. That was for some, I don't know. I still to this day don't know what it was why I was that nervous over that audition but yeah yeah uh Tom and Jerry for some reason does it for me gives me me nightmares at night (laughs) advertisements for it are now everywhere and oh yeah I get PTSD yeah Yeah. it's PTSD (laughs) the movie Moxie that Amy Poehler directed all over everywhere and the girl who's the lead I contacted her four or five months ago she was like I'd love to be on the podcast and I was like awesome huge deal and then and then we had to reschedule because she was shooting and then I circled back and she was like reach out at the beginning of January I reached out and then she was like now she has a publicist she's become bigger Uh, right 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 like I'm so sorry but my publicist will check you out and we'll let you know and she was Uh, so nice to me it's nothing against her but now whenever I see anything uh, about moxie yeah. and it's every like i was listening to a film review podcast and they were like now we're going to talk about moxie it's great and i was like it's like <laughs> hearing like something about like yeah, an no, I get it. something you're like <laughs> yeah i was rejected um i get it yeah it's it's you kind of like are seeing your exes every like yeah. a, a commercial i auditioned for and they said we're looking for an anna kendrick type and i was like okay and then i like watched the commercial and i was like She's not an Anna. No. No, What I learned is they don't know what they want until you show them, which is a little relieving. Like they'll, I've, I've, you know, being out in LA, I've talked to some people who are kind of behind the scenes, I guess now, Mm -hmm. and just hearing that is, is I don't know if it's relieving or terrifying because they'll give you something they'll give you a breakdown or whatever and then they'll cast somebody that's not that at all no I think that's the main thing because coming from a theater training and I love theater and then in Atlanta everyone particularly like I like realistic acting and I was like me too (laughs) 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 Um, and uh someone was filming me last week and he told me to like rev it up a little bit so I did and he was like okay cool He was like you're just so subtle he's like sometimes I, I just try to get a little bit more out of you. Not in a bad way. He was like, you're just very naturalistic and subtle. And I was like, tell <laughs> <All> that <laughs> to every single person I've ever talked to. Right. Um, ever. But um, but no, I think I think being theater and then doing all like the film stuff. Um, that's something, if you don't mind. I what was it like? You were like on Lambda, you were like on stages and in rooms, and then all of a sudden you're on an HBO set. I don't know if you had ever been on a big set before. What was that like? The only time I've been on a big set was when I used to do like extra work when I was in North Mm -hmm. Carolina. I loved Lambda, but I don't think they 
quite prepared us for the industry that we're actually in. Mm-hmm. I think this industry is a lot more film and TV driven and therefore the training should reflect that. And I think they're taking steps to fix that now, which is great. But I, I just didn't feel like I had been, you know, working in front of a camera long enough. Like we, we do some stuff in my program and we do one short film or whatever, get that experience. But, you know, I knew for a fact when I went back to the United the States, like I wasn't going to have a chance to do theater like that. Mm-hmm. So all of my stuff was going to be in film and I felt underprepared if I'm completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just had to kind of suck it up and figure it out. And luckily, like, you know, Mahala, had, but, you know, she was cool and she had been filming for a little bit, but we were, she was cool and we were able to kind of relax and stuff. And the director was mm-hmm. really nice and stuff. Um, so that was nice, but I, I did feel underprepared and I felt like I was overthinking everything. And that might be par for the course too. Sure. in terms of just being new but yeah I, I remember thinking very clearly like I feel like I did all this training in the wrong direction to an extent yeah I, I feel so, like it changed me a lot as a person but then actually setting me up for a set or something I don't always feel as prepared as I'd like to be yeah I, I you know I think if it was up to me and I'm nobody <laughs> with, with Lambda's training, at least, I think, I think you should at least be doing two short films as opposed to one, because there's so much uh, that one camera experience is so important and not just like little, like monologues and stuff, but like the full scope of everything and yeah. really getting that, that immersion as much as possible. Cool. Let's, let's wrap it up. I was talking to you about the search for pink. And how mm-hmm. it is an exercise I've used to find one positive thing a day. Um, mm-hmm. or, or more more like, instead of positive, I think I should change that to like grateful for. Like what's okay. one thing that has maybe happened. And so like, that's an exercise I used um, when I was in a really dark time. What is something that you've implemented? Because like mental health has been hard. Like what's something that, you've done when everything feels pretty hopeless? Um, I mean, the most obvious answer for me, I think would be meditating and talking to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I try, I, like I said, since that summer, I've implemented meditating into my, into my everyday thing um and it waned for a little bit it it was sometimes better than others but I'm back on schedule every day just having time to myself but I've also learned to the intersexuality intersectionality of meditating and my relationship with God Mm -hmm. and how they can they can uh coexist and and work together for my good um so yeah I think what does that look like (sighs) For me, I, I think it's just, uh, for me personally, I mean, it's whatever your personal relationship with God is, but I, th- I think for me, it's more so, you know, I, I have a devotional, I have things that I pray about and and just incorporating that prayer or that that literal conversation into my meditation. So mm-hmm. it's, it's almost literally like meditating on God, more or less. Um, and I And normally I go through the process of centering myself first to open myself up to 
to have that type of conversation or relationship um, because I find it, I find if I'm all over the place and I can't, I'm not really in a great position to hear or speak clearly. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's literally like calming myself down, humbling myself, speaking on what I'm feeling or thinking and just being really honest because, you know, honesty, you have to be honest to yourself first. You know, I think what I've learned is a lot of people think they're being honest with God, but they're not. It's like, just, just be honest, say what you really feel and what you think, because, you know, like anything, you can't really move forward until you're honest with yourself. You can't really progress until you have those real tough conversations mm-hmm. um, with your inner self. And so, yeah, I think those, those things have really helped me. Like I said, patience has been a big thing for me, especially within within the past year. Mm-hmm. During that first period of not knowing where the show was going to go, mm-hmm. all the way up to knowing like, oh, it's over. Like, it's a wrap. And what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Because my money is depleting <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have anything to do. Um, and just having the patience and, and you know, what the Bible says about like just waiting on God and, and the time will come and you just have to be, be, it's like an active patience too, though. It's like to sit. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's sitting and being patient because I know things will come. I know things will happen, but also doing my part in it. And I think that's what I meant by active. It's just like, I'm not just sitting back and be like, Oh, it happened. And just like not doing anything, but actively engaging and doing my part Mm -hmm. so that the patience you know the faith without works is dead so it's like I have to do my part as well yeah that was a long answer I'm sorry no (laughs) it's a really good answer and it's also something that you've been building over a long period of time you know if you were like I you know I thank God for my mom and then it's like Mm, then I feel better. And I'm like, okay, cool, Brandon. Like that doesn't, right, right. I don't know your mom. That does nothing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah I, pray, I pray for patients daily, literally. Like I have a conversation, you know, mm-hmm. what, what seemingly would be to myself, but you know, to me, I know who I'm talking to and whom I'm talking to, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a help me on this journey through patience. My grandpa recently told me, uh, you know, patience, you can't get to patience without tribulations, right? So you can't, you know, if you if you ask for patience, you have to you have to go through things in order to know whether that patience is there or not. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't you can't ask for patience and then get everything you want and then be like, oh, I'm so patient. It's like, nah, you just got everything you want. Is this, yeah? Is this your grandfather so, who's a bishop? Yeah, he's amazing, amazing, the wisest man I know. He's he's the best, absolutely the best. Great. I I think it's I think it's cool because if you are someone that believes in God, um, I I know for myself, I'm kind of like, okay, God, like I'm trusting you. And if I was in your situation, I'm kind of like, God, you're good. So lost boys is going to work out, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I had that. I had that time though. I had that time definitely where I'm sure definitely where I was like, Oh, like it'd be fine. And then when it wasn't, I was kind of like, Oh, huh. Okay. (laughs) Like something to come. I, I'm, yeah. I'm auditioning. Well, there's something to come, and then they don't, and then I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> I was up for this, uh, up for this movie, and didn't get it, and and 
in my mind, every, all the cards were like, like it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of, it was written almost. I was like, oh, like everything is in my favor for this. Yeah. And then didn't get it. And I was like, whoa, like I've been doing everything right. Like, I feel like I have been on the right path. I've been having my mind right. I've been taking steps. I put my all into it. Like, what's up? And it's like, that's not what it's about. Like, that, that you know, you're not going to get everything you ask for because it might not be for you. Mm-hmm. You know, what's for you is for you and no one else. And you just have to be patient and wait and, and, and be ready to receive what is for you and be satisfied and content with that because you're content with God and you know what, what you know, that, that relationship is and, and the love he has for you. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's all. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think we did it. Um, I think we did. I think we. I think we did it. I really, really appreciate you talking to me. I appreciate you, definitely, yeah. definitely. I appreciate you. Thanks for reaching out. This has been great. You're always uh, lovely to talk to. So I, I appreciate you so much. All right, y'all. That was Brandon Cook. I told you. I told you you were going to love him. And now you're at the end of this and you're like, wait, where can I get more Brandon Cook? On Industry, on HBO Max. That is where you can get more Brandon Cook. And I guarantee you, dude, he's going to, a lot of Marvel shoots here. Brandon, how about you book a Marvel show, like a big part too, so I can brag about it? I have a hundred million percent um, belief that we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff um, from Brandon. And I'm excited that like people are going to be doing research on him for bigger articles and then they're going to Google it. And unfortunately for them, this is one of the only things that's going to come up and then they're going to have to listen to this. (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, So I initially thought I lost part of this interview because um, I lost my heat and then I lost my electricity and then I lost the ability to use my fridge all in a short amount of time. An electrician person came over here and he said, don't worry, you won't lose your Wi-Fi because then I would, you know, lose all my saved interview. And then I lost the electricity. So I lost the Wi-Fi. Um, I had to message Brandon and tell him I was missing part of it somehow praise the lord it was recovered really wasn't on there i looked initially everywhere he was so nice about it which it made it so much harder to tell him now it is recovered and it's full glory um please y'all please like review um share this all right everybody think real hard who is one person that should listen to this also text brandon Tell him, hi, and that he did a great job. I think I've covered all the bases. That sounds great. Just like the podcast, y'all. It's pretty easy. All right. I love you. I love you. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.